I'm Shannon. And I am Rami. And this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about interesting things we've read or heard. Sometimes both, because sometimes we hear what we read. Yes, (laughs) we do. To help us all expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy without a whole new degree. This is something that you both read and learned and heard because you listened to this book. Yes, I pretty much audiobooks are the only thing I do these days. So this week, we're talking about a book called 4000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals by Oliver Berkman. And at first, when I saw this book on the like the bestseller list or something, I was thinking like, okay, this is going to be like a practical tips episode. It is, but it's not. It's it's, it's not. I would say it's more of a philosophical nature. So here's the high-level summary of the book. If you live to be 80, you'll have roughly 4,000 weeks of life. Is that like more or less than you would expect, Rami? I don't know. I feel like I have to go into that rent song and then do some math oh, quickly. Yeah. And then maybe I would get there. I don't know. That seems like, it doesn't seem like a lot of weeks. It doesn't. But 80 doesn't seem that old either to me. I'm like, I think 90 is more. The 4,000 weeks, though, is a lot. Like, it doesn't seem like a lot. But if what, a year has 52? Like, yeah. 4,000 weeks is 80 years worth of weeks. Yeah. So the whole premise is most people would say 4,000 weeks doesn't sound like a lot. So time management is crucial because life is very precious and short. But what if we're going about time management all wrong? What? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think what he argues in the book that I think is thought provoking is that we focus so much of our time management strategies on how we can be more productive and efficient, how we can like cram it all in. Correct. (laughs) And his point among many, but I think the, the major premise of the book is what if the best time management strategy we can actually implement is to choose, is choice. Like choosing what actually matters and live by that instead of stressing ourselves out, trying to figure out how to be more productive or efficient all the time. That's a very interesting proposition. Yes. So let's dig into it a little bit. There's a couple of parts of this book that I want to hit on, but that's like the overall premise that I thought was really thought provoking and both like depressing and liberating all the same time. Uh huh. So, first of all, like, why? Like, why might the pursuit of productivity or efficiency be such a bad thing? And in the book, he kind of describes it as, like, a never-ending hamster wheel. And there was a particular quote that I just, like, it hit me straight in the gut. He says, because time inevitably starts to feel like an unstoppable conveyor belt, bringing us new tasks as soon as we can dispatch the old ones, becoming more productive only causes the belt to speed up or eventually break down, mm-hmm. i.e. burnout, right? Yes. So it, I think this was something that resonated with me of thinking about times where when I've tried to be more productive or more efficient, I do end up just feeling like, <laughs> like I can't catch my breath. Like there's just even more coming at me because the more I can cram in, the, the more, 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 more there is. The second thing he talks about in terms of like why the pursuit of productivity can be such a bad thing is because it can often keep you from enjoying the present moment. So we can make productivity or efficiency about like how to get more done. So it can be like, okay, if I can be more productive, then like when my candidate finally gets elected, when my social justice agenda is achieved, when I make so much money, then I can finally relax. Ain't happening. 
It ain't yeah. happening, Shannon. Yeah. It ain't happening. Right? And so, and he says, like, this is basically treating the present moment solely as a path to some, like, superior future state. And so the present moment won't ever feel satisfying in and of itself because you're, everything you're doing is trying to get to an end goal that may take things like way beyond your lifetime. Mm-hmm. That's a part of this book that we're not even covering, but you know, like the, the cathedral metaphor that you might have heard before of like, it takes hundreds of years to be a cathedral, to build a cathedral. Right. And in some ways we're all stonemasons, right? We're only building what we're going to see in our generation. It could take hundreds of years to dismantle some of these systems or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So like I said, both, Freeing and depressing all at the same time. (laughs) So those are the two reasons why the pursuit of productivity might be a bad thing. But then I think the question that I got to in the book was like, well, then where the hell do I start? Like, this is just feels like life's pointless and hopeless. Like, what do we do? And he says that we start by admitting defeat. Because the problem isn't that time management techniques don't work. Like, they do work. They make you more efficient and productive. Some of them, anyway. Hopefully the best ones. But they only leave us feeling busier, more anxious, stressed, and so on. So I'm curious for us to just, like, take a pause here. Rami, what are some of the most, like, silliest ways, perhaps, that you've tried to be more efficient or productive? Did you ever do that thing, Shannon, where you're like, I'm going to work out in the morning, so I'm going to put on my workout clothes at night... And then sleep yes! in them like a dummy because it's not comfortable. Oh, like I that was totally done the only thing that did was like give me worse sleep. And then I woke up and I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm already wearing this workout clothes. <laughs> I want to put on my pajamas now because I'm so tired from wearing these dumb workout clothes. That is a really good example that I have totally done in the past. And and it's just like kind of amusing. He goes up. He lists like a ton of examples, but some that he lists in the book that I was like, oh, shit, that's me. He's like, like. He literally says in the book, fucking overnight oats. Like, like people who do overnight oats, people who are doing like the Pomodoro method. And like, I'm not saying any of these things are bad things. I'm doing the Pomodoro method right now. And I find it very helpful to get podcast editing stuff done. But, or, or like times where I thought, oh, I just must need a better way to write my to-do list. Or I just need a better way to like organize my calendar. And like, mm-hmm. then I will have arrived. I think like we can all kind of, I hope we can all laugh at that part of ourselves that is just constantly believing, like, when I just get the right system, then everything's going to be good. And he says, like, basically, the more firmly we believe that it's possible to do everything, the less pressure we feel to ask whether any given activity is actually the best use of our time. So I'm going to say this again, because I think this is really important. The more firmly... You believe it's possible to do, do it all, do everything. The less pressure you will ever put on yourself to decide if any activity is worth doing. What's the Shannon thing? The, uh, yeah. (laughs) So essentially what he's saying is when you've decided you could do all of it. Yes. We don't question if we should. Yes. We just do all We're just it. like, yeah, we'll do it all because we know we can. Yes. Wow, that's messed up. It's so messed up. And like, and I can see myself in this, right? Like I I, I offer mm-hmm. this book with a lot of compassion to all of us because I can see myself in this of times where I thought like where your culture or society just tells us like, yeah, we should be able to do it all. So like just keep packing it in. 
but you never stop and question, wait a second, like, is this actually the things that that I should be doing? Because time is finite. I can't do it all. So when we admit defeat, it can be, again, <laughs> a couple of times, like the most liberating, but also potentially depressing thing at the same time to acknowledge your mortality in a sense. Hmm. So, Rami, I'm curious, do you think you've admitted defeat, quote unquote, in your life? Or are you still wanting to believe it's possible to do like everything? No, I don't think I don't think I could do everything. I think um, there are certainly times when I had much more energy when it was like, oh, I can do all of these things and just kind of burn the candle at both ends. Yes. Um, But I think it's just like exhausting to never have downtime yeah and also i think it gets super depressing when you're trying to accomplish everything and then you don't because i think your expectation of yourself is too high where the flip side if it's like oh i'd love to get to these things and then you get to some of them you're like oh yeah i got this like thing done hooray for me like i got laundry folded the same day i did my laundry like yeah awesome (laughs) As opposed to I have to get my laundry folded and put away on the same day that I do it because that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I, I kind of expected that you would be more in the place of like, yeah, like I've admitted defeat. I don't know that I've admitted defeat. I think reading this book inspires me to admit defeat. But I, I also feel like in this moment thinking about it that this is something that I'm going to have to admit over and over and over again. You Uh know, like, it's not like you make this choice once, you admit defeat, you admit it's impossible to do everything all the time or everything you might hope to do in your lifetime. Um, It's like a choice that you have to continue to remind yourself of. of Like, oh, yeah, okay, if I admit defeat today, then what's really truly here? What matters? Well, and I don't think of it as, like, lowering the... I don't think of it as... I think of it only as being kinder to yourself mm-hmm. as opposed to like your expectation of yourself are lower, right? Like for me in laundry, it was like, first it was like, I want to get laundry. I want to get folded same day. Like that was maybe an unrealistic expectation of myself. Yeah. But now when my only expectation is get the laundry clean on that day, it's like, okay, cool. Like that I know I can do. There's no pressure. And if I can get to folding it, great but that's like a plus one it's not a expectation of that experience which i think is me just being kinder to myself well okay so then this makes me want to go on a tangent when you don't have i don't know if this is gonna make sense i'm gonna have to break this down when you don't have the expectation to fold the laundry does it motivate you less like do you no want to do it any less exactly like that's what i was just thinking as you were saying that example like Oh, if I just give my shorter myself a shorter to-do list, I think people fear, oh, but I'm, I'm going to get less done then. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be less motivated then. Personally, like, if I reflect in hindsight, it's actually quite the opposite for me, mm-hmm. personally. The more realistic of a to-do list I give myself, the more I feel like I get done. And energized by doing, I think, yeah. for me. Because it's like, oh, I just need to get the laundry done. Cool. Like, it's much easier to say, okay, get the laundry done. Yeah. Don't worry about like when it needs to get put away. Um, but I think it's when we say, okay, I want to do step one, step two, step three all at once. I think <laughs> that's when it's like, okay, now I don't even want to do step one because I'm not going to get to step three. Yeah. I'm such a, I'm such a victim to that. I do that to myself all the time. My husband, I'll like 
barf out the to-do list for the weekend. They'll be like, okay, so that feels unrealistic. <laughs> so how about we just do these three things? Yep. <laughs> I think this book was written for any overachiever, any grim three out there. Like, I highly encourage you to go read it. Don't just listen to this summary because the whole book is thought-provoking. Okay, so so we've admitted defeat. Like, then what comes next? Then we need to choose what matters. He talks about a couple of different examples, but the one that I thought was most uh, compelling was this is allegedly Warren Buffett's strategy for choosing what matters. Apparently, Warren Buffett, the guy who owns Dairy Queen, that dude is definitely making the right decisions in life. <laughs> owns Dairy Queen. I think he owns way more than Dairy Queen. <laughs> but Shannon, but- Dairy Queen was like very high on the list because I think he worked there when he was younger or something. Oh, really? I didn't Or know he just loves this. ice cream, which either either answer, I'm 100% here for. So Warren yeah. Buffett. Warren D- Buffett. So this is allegedly Dairy a conversation he had. Yeah, Potentially Dairy other things. <laughs> so this is allegedly a conversation that he had with his pilot when his pilot asked him, like, how do you choose what matters? He said, make a list of the top 25 things you want out of life. Arrange them from most important to least. And then the top five is how you should organize your time. But here's the thing that he says about the remaining 20 that I thought was different or maybe more compelling than what you might assume. He says for the remaining 20, they're not your second tier priorities. They are the ones to avoid at all costs. Like, don't like if you see yourself getting distracted by them, like slap your hand, avoid go towards the top five. Oh, I really like that because it's like these are 20 distractions that are going to happen, but they're not the top. They're not the most important, so do not get distracted by these other 20 things. Yes, totally. So I haven't done this exercise yet, but I'm eager to. I'm curious, though, off the top of your head, Rami, what experiences would you guess or what things that do you most want out of life? What would be in your top five, do you think? I just want to be a good partner and parent. That's it. That's my top. Yeah. That's it. That's number one. Yeah. That's basically like what I came up with, too. (laughs) When I was just thinking about this quickly, parenting really came up strongly for me. And it also made me think about, I'm curious for you to reflect on this. Is there anything you've been chasing right now that deep down you don't think would actually make the top five? Big or small? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. It's my quick answer. I will be vulnerable. Like, I think there's things as a as a business owner in this day and age, like chasing more followers, you know, or like chasing, like feeling like I have to show up so often to be Mm -hmm. quote consistent on Instagram. That's a thing that I could, you could argue is making it into my top 25 right now, Mm -hmm. but would it make it into my top five? Oh my God. No, (laughs) no. So it's really compelling to go back to the idea of like they're the ones to avoid at all costs like ooh, like to really think about that i'm not even sure even if you tried to put that in the category of like well but like having a successful career quote unquote or owning a business like that might be in my top five and this is just a part of that honestly i don't know if that would be in my top five maybe 10 years ago it would be but for me now i don't know that it would be so i just i thought this was a really Useful I really like and this. confronting like concept or like really, really think about it and practice choice, practice admitting defeat in that sense. Doesn't mean you don't give a shit at all, but it's like, keep this in mind. Well, and if you want to accomplish those five things, you have to be hyper focused on those five things. So the other 20 are distractions and 
even just acknowledging that I think is a huge step forward. Yes. I love that. So you've gone through this exercise, let's say, and now you've chosen what matters. But then like, how the hell do you honor it? Because distractions are going to come up, right? He has a lot of tactics, but there's just three that I really want to highlight here. Maybe some of them are things you've heard before, but there, there's just something about them that struck me differently with this bigger frame in mind. So the first one that he talks about is the concept of claiming time. So too often do we try to make time for things that matter most in our lives. He gave the example of a woman who wanted to become a successful illustrator. She was trying, she tried and failed for several years to make time for drawing. And the only viable option she had left was to claim the time, was to start drawing one to two hours every week and accept the consequences that that meant she would be neglecting other activities that she sincerely valued. Mm -hmm. So I thought that the metaphor of retirement savings applies here too. Like it's kind of like that concept of if you don't, you know, save a bit of your paycheck now, like you won't have anything for retirement. The same is true here. If you don't save a bit of your time out now, every week, there is no magic moment in the future where all of a sudden, like, you'll just be done with everything and then you'll have the time to become the illustrator or to become the better parent or whatever it is. It's just never going to happen. So Rami, can you think of any ways past or present, not or future, I guess, (laughs) where you want to claim time or where you have claimed time in your life? Claim time. I can go first. Yeah, please. We just got a new puppy. Uh, Tell me your puppy's name. Alina. Alina. Yeah, she's five months old. And it's funny because before we got Alina, it was so challenging for me to make time for a walk every day. (laughs) Now we have Alina. And literally the first hour of my day is claimed. I have claimed time instead of trying to make time. It is now claimed time that I go on a walk with her every single day. That's the thing that I do. And for me, that's the most um, tangible present example that I can think of, of where I'm claiming time. And I deal with the consequences. Like it might mean that I show up with wet hair as I am right now to podcasting or whatever, because I need to make time with this. It might mean that if I have a workout with a friend after the walk, that I'm a little bit more tired than I would be otherwise, but I don't really care. It's I'm claiming the time. And I'm dealing with the consequences on the back end. I like that. And I I wonder, too, if once you've done the Buffett 5 versus 20, if that helps you reclaim time. If you go, look, I've always wanted to be an illustrator. That's in my top five. But things in my 20, my bottom 20 are the things that are taking up the time preventing me from doing that. So then you start to kind of carve out those things to make time for the thing that you want to do. I think that's kind of what I'm thinking about now. I don't have a good example, so that's okay. I'll have to get a puppy and maybe that'll (laughs) reprioritize my time. (laughs) It will. It might come up in parenting though. That's another example that comes to mind. Like if I think about uh, this morning is a, a special day in my daughter's life and I, we wanted to make time for pictures this morning and I, I'm not as prepared for this podcast recording as maybe I would have liked to be, but it was like, I claimed the time. I thought, okay, well, this is what matters. And I'm going to live with the consequences if my notes aren't as tight as I wanted them to be mm-hmm. for this podcast, you know? So it's in, in very little ways that this could show up in our lives too. For sure. Okay. So the second way that you might begin to honor what matters is to practice JOMO. So we've all heard of FOMO. 
having the fear of missing out, which I think is just perpetuated by the idea that you can possibly do everything. Uh, And he brings to mind the concept of JOMO, like experiencing the joy of missing out. He describes it as uh, the thrilling recognition that you wouldn't even want to be able to do everything since you didn't have to decide what you what to miss out on. Your choices wouldn't ever truly mean anything. Right. So if you never choose, every choice you make is like means a lot less because you're not choosing. Right. You're never experiencing the thrill because you didn't choose. You just chose to do the only choice you made was to do everything. Correct. And there's no choice in that. So I'm curious if you've ever experienced JOMO in your Last life. night, Shannon, uh, my wife and I try to go out on a date once a week because we have a babysitter that lives with us, which is my sister. Hi, Jamana. <laughs> so we try to take advantage of that. And it's nice. It's nice to go out. And yesterday we were like, oh, we're too tired. Let's not go out. Let's put on comfy pants and let's just watch a movie. And it was like, this is great. This is so much better than being outside and having to drive we're just sitting here having snacks on the couch yes we're missing out and we're loving life shannon yes yes uh the example that came to mind for me this morning uh is a kind of a biggie but for me i experience a lot of jomo it's maybe controversial and my choice to not have biological children so that was a very conscious choice on my part i'm not saying like clearly i'm I'm still a parent right Mm -hmm. i have an adopted daughter But I allow myself to feel JOMO when I see people with little babies from the ages of zero to (laughs) 2.5. Because for me, that, it just, there's a lot of joy that I think about the sleep that I did not have to lose, the things Mm -hmm. that I did not experience. So I think it's also in the frame, right? Like you can choose to view it as a FOMO or a JOMO. For me, I'm letting that be a JOMO moment. JOMO. Why do you think we don't talk about JOMO more? Why are we always living in like the FOMO state? I don't think we are anymore. I think that's the thing is I feel like a post pandemic world is much more JOMO than it is FOMO. I think FOMO was very prevalent and strong pre pandemic. Yeah. And I think pandemic caused us all to realize that we don't like leaving the house as much as we thought we did. Yeah. And so you see people like out there living their lives and you're like this, that could be fun, but I'm old. And I like not having to do that. Yeah. Are there like future JOMOs that you anticipate in your life? You're like, oh, that's going to be a JOMO for me. I feel like anytime I try to go to a concert with my wife, she's like, yeah, I'm going to make that a JOMO and not go. (laughs) I'm like, cool. Thanks, wife. Appreciate it. And like, maybe I'll live to eat my words here. But for me, some JOMOs that I'm anticipating, like the joy of not being a person who writes a book. (laughs) I know a lot of people who want to write books. Like, wonderful. If that's on your top five list, that's not for me. So I'm going to like really embrace that as a JOMO that I'm not doing that. So Workplace Hugs, the book will be written by Rami only, (laughs) not Shannon. (laughs) And like, like I said, I could live to eat these words someday. Who knows? But I also think about like Jomo for a long time. Nate and I wondered like, oh, do we do we keep our foster care license open? Do we adopt a second child? I'm pretty sure I'm going to experience the Jomo of being a parent to an only child, you know. Mm-hmm. And like again, I I can I have so much compassion if other people that is in your top five list and that's like a FOMO for you. Cool. We all get to be different, and we all get to have the Jomos and the FOMOs. <laughs> Unique Jomos and FOMOs. <laughs> okay, so the last 
tip that I want to highlight here on how to honor what matters that I think is very provocative. <laughs> like, it's very confronting. He basically says that you should settle. And he talks about it in romantic relationships, especially, but I think it applies way beyond that. So he say, says, say more here, Shannon. Yeah, settle yeah, yeah. is a triggering word. Let's it is a very trigger, triggering word. So he literally says in the book, you should definitely settle. You don't have a choice. You will settle. Whoa. Time is finite. The decision to refuse to st- settle, to spend a decade restlessly scouring for, he says, um, like for the perfect person via online dating. But I think this could also be for, like for the perfect career for the da 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 da. It's settling by agreeing to use a portion of your precious time in another less than ideal situation or way. I don't. So, sorry. Let's let's unpack it. Unpack this. So, let's say it's dating. Yes. And I can't find I'm in my mid to early 20s and I'm like, yes. "Uh, I haven't found the person." So, am I supposed to stop looking for the person or am I just supposed to like grab a person and settle with them? Grab a person and settle with them. That's what, what that's if what they he's don't want to settle with me. I well, think that's the like, problem. That's, that's a different thing. That's a different thing. That's a different thing. But like I, I do think this is an interesting point, and it made me think about, hi, Nate, my husband, I love you. It did make me think about, like, oh, would would I say that I settled? I got married really young. Like, could people look at me and say, you settled? I don't feel that way energetically, but one might be able to make that case that I, quote, settled because Nate and I have different religious views. Uh, we're, we're just different in a lot of ways. Like, we're very much like an op- opposites attract kind of a situation. And so for me, it was kind of thought provoking to think, well, well, maybe I quote unquote settled, right? Like I didn't get like the perfect guy who like aligned with me on all of these deep beliefs, but I wouldn't change a freaking thing about it because it allowed me to live in. Okay, again, I want to be clear. I don't necessarily feel like I settled, but again, I think you would make the okay, case. Okay, but maybe I don't. Did. I don't feel like that is a fair statement for settle and this is why i don't like it in the dating world yeah and maybe we should just kick it from the dating portion of this because mm-hmm. I, I think i think when it comes to career i think when it comes to having it all sure i think when it comes to relationship like both of you are gonna have to actively choose that this is the right fit and you can't make that into a settle it's gonna be a we're both choosing each other in this life and to go forward if you're truly settling then it ends up in divorce shortly thereafter i disagree because but i think the difference is in how you perceive it so it's settling um oh how do i want to articulate this it's like settling on the things you may disagree on like settling on the fact that they may not look the exact way that you thought you're perfect like like oh fuck i didn't marry brad pitt like whatever like and i'm not saying settle to the point that every day you're not going to be able to respect this person you're not going to be able to have uh compassion for this person you're not going to be able to compromise with this person or accept them or love them for who they are but can we And maybe this is because I coach a lot of women who are in their late 30s who have prioritized their career for a long time and are wishing that they would have settled. Maybe there's a part of me that's wanting to, like, give this as a PSA. Okay, I think if the (laughs) if the push here is here's my idealized view of what I think I'm going to get. Yeah. And this is the person I have that we're we're hitting it off on all cylinders, Uh but they aren't perfect. 
they aren't they aren't the hundred percent. They aren't the dream that I had. Yeah. Okay. In that in that regard, sure, I agree, one hundred percent. If that's what we're saying, then yes. But I think there's still a lot of effort that goes into making that work. It's not necessarily like a, I'm just gonna like settle and then just do nothing. Right. But he says in exchange for for the settling for accepting all that you actually then get to be in the object of your striving, you know? So for like people who are like in their top five is that they want to be in a committed partnership, you know, great. Now you get to be in it. Now you actually get to be here. You get to spend your finite precious time with that thing pursuing being present to this thing that you really wanted versus if you spend a decade trying to like get just the right person like holy shit you just wasted a decade where you could have already been in your top five things that matter most to you okay i'm cool with that i mean you cannot be cool with it i like i think it's a very i think it's a very confronting concept Okay, so at the end of the day, he says that none of this is an argument against long-term endeavors like marriage or parenting or reforming political systems or trying to tackle climate crisis. Like he says all of those things matter, but it's an argument that those things can only ever matter now in each moment of the work, whether or not you've re- yet reached what the rest of the world has defined as fruition. So again, it's just a call back to present. Okay, so let's talk about the tacticals. How can you take this back and apply it to your life? I think tip one, try the Warren Buffett technique, list the 25 things that you want out of life, prioritize the top five, avoid the other 20. Tip two, claim time. Where do you want to not make time, but claim time for one thing that matters this week, no matter the consequences? Maybe it's showing up for your kid's soccer game. Maybe it's taking a family dinner, whatever it is, based on what your top five priorities are. Tip three, practice JOMO. Where can you find a JOMO moment this week and get some joy from missing out? I love it. Okay. So we want you guys to connect with us on Instagram, on LinkedIn, at Workplace Hugs. And we want to hear where are you claiming time? What have you decided to focus your time and and steal time for? Um, Let us know. We want to be proud of you. It's yes. a, it's an amazing thing to claim time. So let us celebrate your victory. All right. With that, I've been Shannon. And I've been Rami. And this has been Workplace Facts. Mm-hmm.